Hello, Kangaroo Chasers. Oh, my Lord. The hits keep coming and coming and coming after last week's bumper, bumper episode, the longest episode in Chasing Kangaroo's history. I'm going to throw it straight out there. We are back for another, and of course, that means that we've got Michael Carboni back, Cavs. How are you? Mate, good to be back. Not surprised it was the longest. I know whenever I've had long interviews in my four years of podcasting, it's always with people from the UK involved. So the fact that there were two of you last week, I'm not surprised it was uh, one of the longest episodes we've had. So, mate, well done. Great listen. But uh, straight off the bat, probably something we need to correct now. Yeah, well, um, I know we talk on this podcast quite a lot about um, the, the we break the fourth wall as it were, on the making of podcasts, right? Well, yeah, of course, when we do a long episode about Scotland, uh, including an interview with none other than Campbell Graham, of course, he then pulls out of the World Cup. I guarantee, actually, by the time that this goes out, we'll be back in the Scotland squad, singing up our Scotland with nothing under his kilt. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> that one didn't go particularly well. Obviously, such is the nature of trying to corral 20, what, 24 different Rugby League World Cup teams across men's and women's. We haven't even started on the women yet. We've got a bit more time on that. But, um, yeah, trying to corral everybody and keep up to date is very, very, very difficult. And inevitably that was going to happen. Now, maybe that's the curse after cursing so many players. The curse does continue. But in Graham's case, and we're recording, I must say as well, we've got to date stamp this. We are recording the Thursday before the NRL Grand Final. So we can talk about that a little bit too in a second. But... Uh, maybe it's a reverse curse because Graham could find himself in the kangaroo squad. That's maybe why he isn't appearing for Scotland. So if that happens, it's a reverse curse. Well, f- you guys will know more listeners at home by the time you're hearing this. But as I say, grand final a couple of days away. By the time people listen to this as well, they will know the result of that. Are we prepared to make any NRL predictions here very quickly, Mike, before we get into our interviews today? Uh I reckon by the time the State Cup final kicks off at one twenty, I will be absolutely bloody sick of the grand final. <laughs> Given the amount of work that we're currently doing in rugby league land. Um, no, 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 let's not timestamp it too much. I reckon, so everything that we now say from now on, because this is the episode in which we are going to go through every quote-unquote quote, Australia-based nation or Southern Hemisphere nation predominantly. So that's Fiji, PNG, Cook Islands, Italy and Lebanon. Um, obviously, who draw the majority Italy a little bit less so. Lebanon obviously have domestic players as well, but most of the players come from this side of the world, on which Mark Caboni can speak more uh, confidently than he can about the Jamaican and Welsh teams. True. Um, yeah, and um, yeah. So you know, any of them could be called up for Australia, <laughs> but I don't. Well, yeah, actually, that's a good. That is a good segue, right, into talking about Fiji because first up, we are going to speak to. Sunia Taruva, we T.O., as he's known in my house, um, the actual chief energy officer of the Rugby League World Cup, one of the most enthusiastic men I've ever met. Um, he's going to, we're going to do a little interview that I did with him a couple of weeks ago back in Penrith, which he's very excited about playing for PG. Um, Jerome Luai will appear at some point, being boisterous. Um, Sunia Taruva's going to have a lovely afternoon at the grand final, that's what I think. And even if he doesn't win, he'll just have a great time, because he appears to have a great time all the time. Um, so we'll play that and then we'll talk about Fiji because there are some kangaroo issues. But first, here's Sunia Taruva with me. Good 
we live in Africa. Henry Chase is on here with Sunia Taruba. Hola, hola. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Thanks so much for talking to oh, me. That's all good. Mate, you're the new star of Fijian Rugby League. <laughs> so you've got to say, right, you've played, what, at the time we are recording, you've played two games in the NRL, but I think everyone who knows you is going to know you from that Pacific test against PNG. What was that like for you? Oh, it was a oh, good experience. Um, first of all, just even just getting picked in the squad, the Fiji squad, um, always an honour to represent my people, represent my family. Obviously, family was buzzed out the whole week, so no, it was good. Yeah, and that's, I think that's something that's obviously everybody knows. It's all about your heritage and family, but for you, obviously, you've got an Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> Fiji's a bit different because you've got guys like yourself who grew up on this side, and then yeah. lots of guys like Williami, for yeah. example, who grew up back home. Back what's home, the, yeah. What's the dynamic? I'm not sure. Eh? I, I remember my, par- my parents took me over to Fiji when I was young. I, I couldn't speak English, but now it's the opposite, so I don't know, I guess. Yeah, just trying to spend more time around like my people, um, getting to know the culture and stuff again. So no, it was good, especially that camp. Yeah, it's one of the things. It's funny, is all right. So obviously, every time you guys play, or every time we go and see the Silk Tales, they're yeah. singing so much. All these songs, yeah. Right? And everyone thinks like, did they? If you're not from that culture, I think like, did they learn that song? Or is yeah. that something everyone in Fiji knows? No, yeah, I think because that, that was my first camp, and then I went in, and then like we had this guy that was leading the hymns, and the whole squad already knew it. I was like, oh. Uh, and then, like, I, I was probably, like, probably one of, like, a few that didn't know the song, so they gave out papers and stuff. But, yeah, the hymns play a big part of our camps. Uh, really brings us together. Yeah, you've got to get that in before you do any ball work. Yeah, attack 100%. 100%. Yeah. Hey, that was such an impressive performance as well. Like, I know I watched you in New South Wales Cup. I thought this guy's going to be a gun. Did you expect it to go as well as it did? To be honest, no. No, I wasn't. But I was just... I didn't want to change much from um, Cup as well, from how, like, preparation-wise what I do during the day, so, um, yeah, obviously, turned out how it turned out. Um, there was a lot of, like, um, media, like, stuff going on after that game, people were trying to message and stuff, but, yeah, it was, it was all cra- pretty, went quick, it was pretty crazy times. Yeah, and obviously, that was that was in Cameltown, right, which is pretty yeah. close to where you're from, yeah. pretty close to us here in Penrith now. This is going to be on the other side of the world. Have any of the boys told you about playing in England, what to expect? No, nah, all I hear about England is pretty cold, pretty much. That's all I've heard. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just heard it's um, pretty cold over there. But, yeah, it'd be a good experience. Just experience that side of the world, um, see how things work and stuff over there. So, yeah. And it's one of the things I think that well, it happened in the last World Cup. For example, like Jerome Luai is now one of the biggest stars in the yeah. NRL. At the time, he played for Samoa. He never played a game in the NRL. Yeah, Nobody yeah. knew him and everyone thought, who's this guy? Yeah. Now, that could be you this time. You're going to be a guy who most... I know certainly fans in England probably who don't watch don't the NRL, yeah, they yeah. don't know who you are. Is it something that you're looking forward to, to be like, put your stamp on it, say, this is me, so yeah, I'm going to go? Uh, probably not. Like, I don't... I just like... If, if that happens, it happens. Like, I'm just going to play my footy, uh, do what I have to do to... Yeah, try and get my best result for Fiji. Um, that's if I get selected in the squad, actually. But, yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, we go to Ron Lewis here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but he's yeah. a superstar. you got to yeah, be him. No, 100%. He's, he obviously made a name for himself as well. Like he said, that, that World Cup, um, people didn't know much of him, but now he's made a name for himself. And... What is, what's the relationship with, you know, you obviously you've got Viliami Kikau here who's one of the legends yeah. of Fiji and yeah. League already. How good is it to have someone like that who you know you play with every single yeah. day at training, going into the World Cup, you can look up to him and see what he, follow yeah. his path, you know? No, yeah, 100%. Like, just like um, when we went into that Fiji, the test camp, um, 
it was like heaps easy for me to get along with kicks just because I'm here every day at Penrith with him. Um, yeah, so it just made it that much easier. Having Uppy as well here, um, obviously grew up with him. So, no, it just makes things a lot easier when you're all close already heading into camps. Yeah, I saw that when they, when you first debuted in the NRL, they did like a little, you know, people shared the video of you getting your Panthers jersey. Yeah, it's super yeah. emotional. And there was a lot with Atty, but they never yeah. explained what the relationship was. No, but... yeah. Um, me, me and Appy pretty much just grew up together since we were both in nappies. Um, obviously, there's a bit of that age gap there, but yeah, we, we grew up together. Um, he's, he's my, my dad, brother, sister. So yeah, we're pretty close. Man, Appy and nappies is the headline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Mate, there's, there's another thing as well that I think is interesting with, particularly with Fiji, right? When you played that game against PNG, they've got a lot of the guys who played together for the Hunters, right? Yeah. So they had a set of spine stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you were playing, I think, a guy from third grade and Kevin yeah. Nangama, who isn't a regular halfback. As a player who plays at fullback, how important is it to have that spine thing, to have someone straight through the middle who knows what they're doing, who plays that every week? Because Fiji, yeah. often you don't, you've got a lot of wingers, a lot of back Yeah, we've got props. people playing in different positions. Like, yeah, so I think, yeah, that was... Um, yeah, it was a bit tough. Oh, like at the start of the week, I thought it was going to be tough just because, you know, um, I had been playing fullback the whole cup season and then um, them boys just, they're normally outside backs or, yeah, so uh, it was a bit, yeah, I thought it would have been tough, but yeah, end up going the way it did, even though we didn't come away with the win. Um, yeah, I was still, still happy for them boys. Mate, I think it was a good warm up. I think down the line obviously you lost that game but having yeah. played such a hard game against PNG for a real good side yeah. I think you're going to play a warm up against England as well beforehand yeah I'm pretty like sure having yeah. that um, hardened experience is probably going to help you come game one against Australia yeah. right yeah 100% uh, big squad like Australia you're going to have to um, going to have to have everyone in their, on their A game because um, if you know someone's lacking then I guess um, a team like Australia can exploit that so yeah, going to have to make sure, especially, it would be good to have that trial match, actually, but yeah. You know, there was an ambush in the last time the World Cup was in England. They play, England played Italy, same yep. stadium. They absolutely threw it down with rain, and there was an ambush, and Italy won. Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15-14, oh. I was there, mate. It was wet. James <laughs> Esco played for Italy. So there you go. There's the standard that's been hopefully, set. Hopefully, they can have some fast <laughs> as well. Nah, yeah, 100%. And the first weekend you're playing in Hull, which is, you're playing in Hull? Yeah. So my father's from. Oh, yeah? Best fish and chips in the world. So you oh, need to so get that Well, go, go have a feed after the game. Yeah, mate. Go try it out, eh? Thanks a lot, pal. Thank Thanks you, so brother. For Thanks for having me. That was Sunia Taruva. Nice. Thanks a lot to... The Penrith Panthers for helping us set that one up. Thanks to Sydney Trains for not being on strike when I had to go out to Penrith. That was fun. Um, and yeah, well, as we've said, we are going through the world's longest episode here. And I'm going to treat it like I did in my days as a trade union official by absolutely <laughs> rattling through this. Um, so first off, um, Sunia Taruva is in the team. We, at the time of recording, don't know whether Aki Corasau and Regan Campbell-Gillard will be. Exactly. My opinion is Regal Campbell, uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard will be selected for the Kangaroos, so I don't think he will be in this Fijian squad. I don't think he's been named in. I'm just quickly googling here myself. I don't think he's been named for Fiji as it stands. They've got a thirty. Oh, he has. He's squad. in the long list. He's in. The oh long no, list. he's in the long list. Okay, so he is there. Sorry, my bad. He is there. I think he'll be picked in the Kangaroo squad. Uh, they're running out of, of forwards, and Regan Campbell-Gillard's too good not to pick. I think Api Corusel, on the other hand, I think we're going to see 
we're more likely to see um, in terms of hookers, you know, we're going to see um, probably probably Hunt, probably maybe Cook, uh, maybe the Storm hooker. Harry Grant. Harry Grant. I don't know why I'm going blank. We're probably going to see Grant followed by Hunt and then pop, followed by Cook. So there's probably three ahead of Coruscant at the moment. So I think he'll be lining up for Fiji. That's my opinion. I've been wrong before, as I was a few weeks ago, with Joseph Suwali'i now committing to Samoa. You were right, Mike. I was wrong. So who knows what I'm talking about, but I think we're going to see Api Coruscant in this Fiji squad, mate. Yeah, well, we'll see a lot of players that we know in the Fiji squad, right? And I think one of the one of the fun things about Fiji is that you do get a lot of guys that you know, you know, Viliami Kikau, Mike Sivo, Kevin Nangama, but oh, your favourite. Mr. Ravalawa. Mr. Ravalawa. But then, you know, Warren Blake as well is going to play. No Tane Milne because he decided he fancied staying in Australia and thumped somebody in the face rather than uh, go to the World Cup, unfortunately. I mean, I mean kick out a couple of Safidis, uh, maybe maybe one of the Sims boys as always. There's, oh, there's... I think we're going to get two Sims boys. Yep. I think we're going to get uh, Corbin and the Tar- and the, um, Tarek. And that's beautiful because I think Corbin, is Corbin retiring? On the other side of the world, is that? Did I hear that right? He's been at OKR, so I've tried to pretend he doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not sure exactly if he's retired. But yeah, he, he's, yeah, he'll he's in the squad. He'll play. I think he'll play 13 actually. So that's kind of what I wanted to speak to you because speaking of the proper side of all, I don't know if you'll have ever seen Joe Lovadua play, but Joe Lovadua is in the squad and he is excitement. He's a very exciting player. He's like the archetypical 14 is where I think he'll play in this squad and he'll come on in the halves, he'll come on in the poker, he'll come on and run around a lot. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see him playing a Fiji jersey, which I don't think he has before. No, um, I, he's he's not one I'm very familiar with, mate, so you're right there. He, yeah, he's he's been really good for LFC, not a particularly good LFC team, but he's been one of our better players. Um, and what we noticed in the mid-season test was Fiji basically didn't have any halfbacks. Yep. And... You know, Natani Masima played, who is from West Magpies, I think even the third grade. I'm pretty sure he was playing for Norellan Jets uh, not long before he was playing against PNG Gummels. And obviously that was a bit of a step up for him. No, he kicked a few goals, if I recall correctly, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a World Cup level, World Cup semi-finalist level halfback. And Kevin Nangama was playing at six, which he's never played six ever. And Tane Milne. Um, was playing 13. So I think Lovadua will infinitely improve the halves options if he starts. If he doesn't come off the bench, that's where he'll start. I think also, um, I don't know if you would know Sitiveni Mosidreki. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. But he was a Dragons second grader. He's now at London Broncos. Yep. Also six, six or one. Um, so I think he will be like in that area in which they were pretty poor in the mid-season test and probably the reason they lost. They should be a lot better. Definitely. I think um, they will. The thing about Fiji that's interesting is they're probably, they've probably, and look, they've been in the top four for the last three World Cups. Um, can they do that again? I'm not sure. Are they better than they were last World Cup? A little bit. But you've got the likes of Samoa that have greatly improved. You've got New Zealand who's going to do a little bit better. Um, I'm not sure where Barty stand when it comes to finals time or, or semi-final time at this World Cup. They've got a good squad, don't get me wrong. Good forwards, or great forwards, I should say. Some really good outside backs. Uh, the halves is where, you know, they, they're, they're okay, but not as good as, as some of the others. 
Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, where do you see the, where do they end up in your opinion? So I, I think their problem could be that they're on a collision course with the Kiwis yeah. in the quarterfinals. So the only way that I can see them not playing the Kiwis is if they put in an incredible shock and beat Australia first up. Yeah. Which if Australia coming undercooked is entirely possible, that's pretty, you know, they're not so New Zealand in the last World Cup. Yeah. On home soil as well when um, New Zealand, I think the game is in Wellington. Yeah. So he, yeah, so it's possible. Like, and I don't think they'll be bothered about playing New Zealand. I'll say, that I think they'll think, well, we beat him before, we'll beat him again. But, you know, the bookies will have that as unlikely, shall we say, that um, New Zealand would lose to Fiji two World Cups. I think it's unlikely as well, man. Yeah. We think on this time to us, man. I agree. I agree um, with you, man. But I think what's important. Sorry, I was going to say, look, I agree with you. No, you go on, mate. You, you go on. I, yeah, I think with Fiji, with Fiji, it's interesting because I think what's important for them is that, look, they've never had more talent playing at the NRL level. Yeah. Like, and I don't, you know, you think of these guys like Harry Sims or, or Regan Campbell Gillard, who are of Fijian heritage. But in terms of guys off the island from Fiji, you know, Kickhouse, Sebo in the grand final, like, Oh, Coruscant as well. Like it's a real high-level squad, and I think you're actually seeing even in this squad, you're seeing the pathway, which is the important thing because I think you've got from the long list. I'm just counting it in front of me. I think there's one player from the domestic competition, yep. Ratu Inoki Basu Turaga, but you've also got um, Penyoni Tagimatua, yep. Pio Seki, who we saw in the NRL. He's the first Kaivinsu Silkdale to come through. Yep. So. Um, Tagging to Amua, I think, is also a subtail, and definitely the um, North uh, Vuati Karalevu is he's definitely a subtail as well. So, you, and this is actually at a time I think we're not quite sure how it stands between Fiji Rugby League and the subtails. They have previously not been on the best of terms, but you're seeing that these guys come in in Ron Massey Cup third grade, you know, and now Pio Seki's made the NRL, for, you know, under strange circumstances at Manly, but he did make it, and I wonder in you know. In five years' time, ten years' time, you're gonna have they're gonna be so strong because they're gonna have so many players come through that pathway straight off probably the best pound for pound rugby league nursery in the world. I was I was about to say something very similar. I mean, at the moment we're seeing the strength of the Tongas and the Samoas, and that's off the back of, you know, Tongans and Samoans that were born in Australia and New Zealand, which we know there's nothing wrong with that. They're they're Tongan and Samoan, so there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of these Fijians coming through, there is a pathway there, very similar to Papua New Guinea. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in five or ten years' time, as you say, um, it's PNG and Fiji that are in the place of Samoa and Tonga when we're talking about, you know, likelihood of taking out the entire World Cup. So that's really exciting. I love the way it's growing. I'd love to see them get, get an upset this World Cup, a New Zealand or an Australia. I don't think they will, but I'll be cheering for them. Yeah, and I think they're also also one of the few um, island nations which is going to have a coach who's from the nation as well, yep. along with, we'll come on to PNG as well. Yep. But there still is the, you know, a lot of them will be a team, you know, Matt Parrish obviously is an Australian, and Christian Wolf is an Australian. I think it's very important that they have somebody who's, you know, from that culture and understands it, like like um, Tony Hero is with the Cook Islands team as well, which we'll come on to. Yep. So I think that's such an important thing as well to have people in, you know, 
of the island who are in positions of leadership throughout, which is something that rugby leagues historically has had lots of players from Pacific Islands with very few administrators or coaches. So that's a very positive sign for Fiji as well. Love, um, to, love to see it, man. Um, right. So well, there is no rest for the wicked. In Who's this, next? <laughs> we are straight through. And you mentioned that we're going to go straight to the Kummels. Okay. Now, uh, the usual caveat that at this time, the Kummels have not released the squad, though, obviously, we have seen them play because we had the uh, PM's 13 game. So we can work out vaguely what the plans. Yep. <laughs> vaguely. Um, that team was pretty strong, actually. I thought they did really well for a period against, I think I described it as PNG's second team against Australia's fifth team. Yep. Um, did you see much of that game? I saw a little bit of the game. Uh, look, I hope it was the middle 20 minutes when PNG were great. Yeah, it was It was the middle to the end. And look, a good, look, we we love a good Prime Minister's 13 versus Prime Minister's 13. That's fantastic. But as you say, pro- not definitely not a true indication of Australia, definitely not a true indication of, of PNG. Um, we're going to see a lot more big guns and, and players with some serious NRL talent coming in, even guys that we didn't see mid-season like your Xavier Coates, your Justin Nollums and, and players like that. Um, I'm looking at your, your predicted squad because, as you say, we haven't seen we haven't seen the full squad named yet, but there's some good names there. Johnson, uh, Nene McDonald's back in your squad. Hold when on. When you say there's some good names there, do you mean um, Dilbert Isaac and Wellington Alba, which are some of the best names in World Rugby League? Some of the or best names. No, no, well, names. mate, Watson Boas, another fantastic rugby league name. Uh, Eden Gebby, another amazing yeah, rugby league yeah. name. Mate, no, there's some good names there and some names that we know. So uh, PNG, they're, they're always, they're, are they the best? Um, squad on paper no but do they have the biggest hearts in the game yes and sometimes that's enough for them to get some some upsets or get close so we mentioned it back in the French episode with Trent Robinson but PNG is just like France they're always the the nation that you're supporting other than your own and um, you know they've they've done some good things they've got some good talent Justin Ollum's going to make some massive hits and um, looking forward to seeing the Kumuls out there as always. Yeah, well, I mean, you've, you've kind of covered it there. But I think PNG, they have a couple of uh, structural advantages is, is the right way to go about it. But, uh, well, obviously the team spirit is something that's basically unbreakable. Fiji have that a lot as well, I think, where they, yep. they really fight for each other in a way that most teams, you know, any team would be happy to be as united as they are. But I think because they have the core of the Hunters, you know, we mentioned this in the mid-season test, it actually doesn't matter that much that the the Hunters didn't go very well in Queensland Cup this year, but having that core who played together with the coach, Stanley Teppen, who's also, you know, coaches at the Hunters, um, and then you just sprinkle in players on that. So you look at the the back, if you have, a, you know, Alex Johnson, who we think will play fullback, um, Xavier Coates, obviously, some of you have got him in a kangaroo squad, which I don't think he's anywhere near, and I hope he's not because he should play for PNG. Exactly, I'm with you on that. Justin Ollum is obviously, I mean, he's one of the best centers in the world. The think, best. But even beyond that, you've now got Nene McDonald, Lachlan Lamb, and Edwin Apape all playing together at Lee. In fact, Edwin Apape won the player of the year, I think, in the second tier in England. Yep. And Lee's basically a Super League team in all but name. Um, by the time this goes out, you'll know if they are a Super League team or not. <laughs> but um, you also you added Reese Martin, yep. who, aside from being an amazing goal kicker, um, is, I think he's actually 
something almost 40 without missing, I think, in Super League. He finished this year. I, I would double check me on that, but I think he's on about 38 in a row without a miss um, in Super League. But, you know, he's been been pretty good for Leeds. They made the grand final. Um, and then you throw in a couple of other just, you know, there was a guy called, there's a guy called Jedediah Simbiken, who I think he played in the Q Cup grand final for Redcliffe, who didn't play in the PM13 game because he was in the, in the grand, grand final. Yeah. Also have, I think only one Digicel Cup player played on, um, played in that game too, because they also had their grand final up in Port Moresby, um, which is some great scenes of pitch invasions and stuff like that. Whatever you think it was in Port Moresby, it was exactly that. That was incredible, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I, I love to see it from that goal, that winning goal. Um, Mackenzie Yee, let's not forget Mackenzie Yee, who you've got coming off the bench, an absolute tank, an absolute weapon. He is guaranteed to bend the line five meters out and score a try somewhere in this World Cup. I think. Yeah, I think. I think I described it in the the try scored in the Pacific Test. I think I described it as the most PNG try of all time. Easily, easily. But what I like about it, like you said, the heart is there, um, and their their spine is very decent. Like, but you've mentioned them already. But Johnson, uh, Labert, Lamb, and Epape. Not world beaters, although Johnson's scoring lots of tries, which is fantastic. But the halves aren't like it's not the best spine in this World Cup, but it's very handy and very capable. Um, PNG can cause some upsets, man. I have no doubt about that. Well, I think so. There's two. There's two here. I'm going to throw out at you before we, we shuffle straight along. Yep. Um, they play Tonga first up. Yep. Absolute blockbuster. Hopefully, I will be there. I think it's in Warrington. I'm, I'm jealous. Really old. I can hope to be there for that. Yep. Should they lose that, there is a decent chance that they would run into England. Yep. Now, people will remember that they beat Great Britain in 2019 in Port Moresby. Oh, but that wasn't they- the same. That wasn't England, though, was it, Mike? Come on. Yeah, it wasn't the same team at all. No. Under no circumstances of that same team. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, I've been to Bolton, where I think that game will take place. Never been to Port Moresby, but um, it's probably nicer than Bolton because I haven't been to both. Or maybe Wigan. It could be in Wigan. Oh, probably nice and all. It would certainly be warmer. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... You know, for one, I think that game is scheduled to be in one of the Heartland areas, which people will love, absolutely love. People back home will love going to see PNG. And, yeah, if they get England in the quarterfinal, they won't be scared for a second. They'll go hell for leather. I think, I think they'd be hoping to get England in that game. But you, of course, as, as listeners will know, are predicting England will top their group. I'm predicting Samoa will top their group. So if I'm right... And they lose to Tonga, and PNG lose to Tonga. Sorry, in their first round, they're likely to face Samoa, which I think is not not who they want to face. I think they'll get shellacked by Samoa on paper. Anyway, am I right? Am I am I mixing myself up here? No, no, no. You're right there. That's the split. That's how it could happen. Um, But yeah, I would just I'd say if if you'd have put if you'd have said they'd run into Fiji in the mid-season, you'd have also thought they'd get shellacked. Well, exactly. I did predict. I, I did predict they'd lose to Fiji, so I was surprised by that. But so, mm. yeah, I, but I do. But I will go out on a limb and say this PNG squad would be happier to face England than Samoa in the quarterfinals, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I think everybody's... Nobody wants to face Samoa at this stage. Um, but yeah, what, what we mean to say here is watch out Wales and the Cook Islands because... I think you're going to 
Put it put it this way: if PNG had played the Cook Islands in the mid-season test, they've absolutely weathered them. So absolute shellacking. Wales, yeah, we, we spoke about Wales last week. It's they're a lovely bunch of lads, but they they might not win a game. Um, right, we rattle on because we have to cede the floor to your boys, the Azuri. Forza Italia. I love it. Yes. I won't let you sing the national anthem in case we end up with a right wing government. So, and <laughs> um, probably will have fallen by the time this goes out. Anything's possible. Um, yes. So, well, the good news here is that we have another interview because I went to, it was great actually. I li- got to live one of my um, quite sad dreams, which I had to meet in the back of a Leeds club. Um, but in, I went to West Ashfield Leeds club and I met with Leo Epifania, who is the coach of the Italian team. And we had a really good chat, one of the good guys. I know you've met him before. We've yep. met him together. Um, you, I'm sure you all discussed your mothers. You, there was people speaking Italian. Um, we are somehow related. I'm not sure. I'm sure we are. Yeah, yeah. everybody's grandmother's cooking was better than everybody else's. Of course. Um, so here we go. Here's me speaking to Leo Epifania. Buongiorno. Kangaroo Chasers, I am sat here with the coach of the Italy team, Leo Epifania. Come on, stay, Leo. Benny, grazie, Mike. <laughs> um, so, thanks a lot for speaking to us. We're in the lovely confines of West's Leagues Club, and we're going to have a little chat about Italy. So, firstly, how's the squad looking up? Obviously, everybody is kind of trying to pick a squad for the World Cup at the moment. Italy is a particularly interesting one because you've got guys from the NRL all the way down, domestic guys. How's it looking? <laughs> It's a jigsaw puzzle, trying to piece a jigsaw puzzle together, Mike. Um, we're getting there a bit, bit at a time. Obviously, a lot of guys are still playing. Um, some, some of the guys might need operations at the end of the year. Some, some are moving overseas. Um, but we've got a very healthy, oh, healthy, a, a, just a, a, a good selection of players to pick from, you know, out of... I know we've got a, a pretty big squad. If we talk about our seniors that are all eligible to play for Italy, it's probably about 50, at least 50 players. Um, but probably out of them, you know, there's a good 30 that are in, right in the mix for the um, for the World Cup. So piecing it together, bit at a time, mate, one step at a time. That's all I can do. And you've kind of... I feel like you've lost some of the big hitters from the last World Cup when you think of yep. James Tedesco. I think Paul Vaughan's not going to play, yep. Daniel Alvaro, people like that. But you've kind of replaced them with a different policy a little bit in terms of going for the more committed guys over the long term, which I know is something Ireland are trying to do as well. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about how that, you know, the project, as it were, that goes beyond this World Cup? Yeah. Um, yeah, we've lost a few and then throw Mark Minicello into that and... Um, um, uh, Terry Campisi um, as well. They've um, obviously retired. Um, uh, Mantellato. Um, so there's quite a few out of we've, out of the last from the last World Cup. There's probably about 17 of the 24 that have retired. So that's we're we're quite aware of that, and we need to find a way to you know set ourselves up for the future. And um, Paul Paul Vaughan, he, he, he's not. A, a definite no yet, so we're hoping that um, something happens there. But you know, obviously, he's moving overseas and got a lot on his plate. Um, we've got Trent Loiro, um, you know, from Melbourne, um, Cooper Johns, Jack Johns is still eligible. Um, we, 
we're pretty sure that the majority of them are, are keen as to go, but we just let them finish off their own their own seasons and get past Mad Mondays and things like that before we, you know, uh, try to overwhelm whelm them with World Cup uh, worries, even though we've had, you know, contact going through. Uh, we've got quite a few, Got a, as you know, Mike, we've got uh, quite a few um, boys playing in championship, second tier in the UK. Um, Sandy's over there, Ryan King, Anton Yaria, um, uh, uh, Lepori, um, Parada, um, Palumbo, there's quite a few there. And we've got uh, four or five playing up with Queensland Cup. Um, great. So, yeah, we, we need to we need to set ourselves up for the next probably, you know, 10 years, five, 10 years with, with players, um, the young ones coming through after multiple retirements. And that's something that, yeah, as I said, when we were just discussing it off air there, but it's something that Italy <clears throat> is going to see in the future that I think Ireland is kind of already seeing where if we just rely on the players who are done by heritage, you're going to end up with the grandparents are going to be too far back almost and it's going to be grandparents and suddenly they won't be eligible. So what you were saying to me before about the domestic stuff and the, including those guys, how important is that for the team in terms of building the continuity that goes beyond into how many far, how many years yeah. in the future you want to go? Domestic as in Italy? Yeah. Oh, it's crucial. You know, we, we need to be able to tap into players out of there that you know, have, have rugby league under their belt and we've spent, you know, we've been able to well, assist Italy, play a role with them in developing those players. Um, otherwise, as you, you um, alluded to before, and, and it definitely happens, eventually we run out of the, uh, you know, qualify, the players that actually qualify. Um, as the years go on, they it decreases. But a really positive thing for us is we've, we've identified, we've got, I'd say, at this stage, playing Harold Matthews, I think that we've probably got a, there's probably around twenty players that are eligible um, to, to represent Italy, and also at SG ball level, and there's probably pretty close to the same um, playing Jersey flag. So they're in really um, good programs um, with some ability. We just need a few of them to kick, you know, and become you know possibly NRL players or good quality players. So we've done our best to try and set ourselves up to have a chance in the future. But what you just said, the domestic part, is that's important. We've, that's that's got to be where we go to. Um, they feel a big, big part. They're a big part of, you know, the, the, the elite um, events like the World Cup qualifiers moving forward. Um, you're obviously going to bring a few lads with you as well from that to help them get experience of that situation and, and, and what it's like to be in that environment, right? Yes, yeah, we've got in our squad of 24, there'll be four Italians. Um, uh, we'll be also bringing, um, given the opportunity to six um, development players that will spend a week there two at a time over the over the pool, pool matches. So we're doing our best to also include the Italians as well and, and you know, hopefully that'll go back to help, um, help the development or the um, attraction to rugby league back in Italy. And I know that's something that's it's worked in the past. Where if you look at, um, obviously, Giulio Cilarino last time he played with the Italian team, um, guys like Stefanos Bastos as well, who sort of played with the Greece national team and ended up getting a contract in to play in the UK. So there is that pathway there yep. for people impressed where they can really yep. go on. Yeah. Yeah, Gioelli, Gioelli's, um, you know, in the qualifiers, he started all three games and 
and he he's really progressed with his football and we're looking forward to seeing seeing him develop even further now he's a big part of um you know it will be he'd be pushing every week um you know obviously don't, I don't want to be naming the squad or anything now but obviously you know he's he's right in the mix as as everybody is but he'd be one that's really pushing to start games once we get to the world cup and you're the first coach we've had on that as well so i've got some good coaching questions for you because it's kind of an interesting group for italy where you've got australia pretty big ask fiji pretty big ask and then scotland which is sort of almost exactly the same level if you go through the squads a couple of nrl guys a couple of lower league guys a couple of you know queensland cup guys yeah so how do you approach that as a coach and you know what's your what's your messaging when you've got to look at those fixtures so i know you've got scotland first which kind of sets out the stall, I guess, but how do you approach those three different fixtures? Um, I've done my best and I've done my, I've had to, like, obviously everyone's excited about playing Australia, but um, I am as well down the back, but realistically, we've got to, I don't want to get delusional about what's going on and the reality of it is we've got to focus heavily on Scotland um, and we need to give ourselves, like, Really, we need to win that game, but that's not, you know, the, the pressure. I'm not putting the pressure on people to say, we've got to win, we've got to win. We've got to uh, go through all the right processes on the day and we need everything to go right for us to put us in um, the winning, put us in a, a winning opportunity there because it's a really daunting task, I think, if we uh, didn't get up in that game and then we need to beat Fiji and Australia to, to push through. So we're focusing, I'm trying to bring everybody's focus back to... Um, uh, the Scotland game and and solely on the detail of what needs to happen on that day. Um, so as we get closer to that game, I'm just sort of bringing it all back and reeling it in and keeping it simple for that day. Um, I'd be, I know I've got a plan, um, you know, I've got plans or thoughts in my head around Fiji and, and Australia, um, but I haven't put a whole heap of thought into um what a, 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 from a coaching point of view, what it'll look like when we play Australia? Because as far as I'm concerned, we we need to we need to get a result against Scotland, and then then a foot in the door, Mike, is a lot better than two feet out the door coming into the Fiji game. So know, that's my approach. Yeah. I know that's um, it's difficult as well because you know if you're you know and you're when you're day-to-day with the West Magpies, you get to see every other team. You've got as much video as you want, but Australia hasn't played a game since 2019. Scotland's played one game, I think. Fiji's played one game. Yeah. And you also don't know who they're going to pick because who that's they... That's right. You know, Scotland played last year against Jamaica. And that's right. Who knows who's going to, if that same team's going to turn out. So yeah. is it more of a case of just looking at the guys you have and working out what you can do best with the players that yeah. you have? Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, there's... We have to look at ourselves and get what we can, what we've got control. The old cliche, what we've got control of, but it's it's not really a cliche. It's a fact that you can only you only you just got to make sure if we get everything right that we have got control over. Um, then you know when we get closer to the Scotland um, playing Scotland, we know what their team looks like. We can start you know analysing finer detail and things like that and some game plans, um, but. As you know, pulling a, a group of people together, Mike. Um, we got, as I said, we got players over in the UK. We got players over uh, up in Brisbane, um, in Sydney, in Italy. We got a week to 
get on the same page and understand that we need to fight tooth and nail for each other, with each other, um, come that first game. So pulling us together as a squad to fight together and, you know, um, if there's any, there'll be challenges and we just need to, we need to take the challenges on, need to stand up, man up, um, but that in itself is a massive job on its own. So, yeah, that's, that's priority. Hard work getting it together. We just need to pull it together. And I know that's something that you mentioned there, sort of getting everybody to blend into one unit. That's something that you've been doing a lot over the over the course of things in terms of making sure people know what the jersey means and the heritage of people coming to Australia particularly. So maybe talk us through a little bit of that because I know you were really passionate about it when I spoke to you before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, both my parents were Italian. Um, uh, migrated just after they got married. Um, four, four grandparents who were Italian never came to Australia, so I'm very close to the... Even though I'm an Aussie, born here, raised here, my mates are all Aussies, and I'm very grateful that, you know, the uh, chance to grow up in this country here. So I'm an Aussie, but got Italian blood in me. There's no two ways about it, and I'm very close to the heritage, um, and vi- see it visually every day still... Um, with my parents, um, what it looks like. But um, I think, you know, a lot of these players, as you know, have only got maybe one grandparent that's, that's Italian and they don't see it every day. And that's okay, that's how it is. But the way we look at it is they need to understand when they're handed a jersey, you, it doesn't matter where you, where, what you play, where you play, who you play with. You need to understand what you're playing for. It's a it's comp- competition, it's sport. Um, and you need to, everyone needs to have the one common theme around how we got that jersey. So we've spent a lot of time, Mike, over the last, um, since the last World Cup to educate the players, educate the players. And this is not saying that it wasn't done before us, like the other guys in the previous World Cups have worked hard at it as well. But it gets harder, as you said before, as you go along, because the connection to the Italian, um, to your Italian heritage decreases. So we need to spend more time on educating the players. And as I said to you before, that we've um, brought some Italian companies in, Coacid, um, who are based at Leichhardt, and they come here and they uh, run us through, run the players through programs of what it, what it was like in Italy before they migrated, um, what it was like on the journey, why they migrated, what it was like when they got here, the difficulties they went through, the tough times. I think... When you fast forward everything, we want to win games of football, obviously, but I need to have some very clear understanding about um, how to motivate the players. And, and, and I want to touch, I want in their hearts just to understand that people suffered, um, resilient people suffered and just kept plugging away for the, for these players to get a to get the opportunity to play in a World Cup. How, how good's that? They're getting the Italian jersey. So all my players clearly understand, we call it the journey to the jersey, how that how that came about. That's brilliant. I mean, that's such an important thing as well. And I know, as I say, I mentioned Ireland are doing that as well, where we have the same story, obviously, in the yep. UK, where people are very into, you know, even obviously we're closer, <laughs> closer yep. than Italy is to Australia. But where in, in educating people that like the struggles of when you came over and why this why we play this game here and why we're so proud to go back and play for it in yep. the World Cup. Um, I hear you've had a bit of help as well. I know Tim Sheens was involved 
And I think that's the story that came up when he joined and then sort of died because, people, you know, because of COVID and stuff like that. But he yep. was just telling me he's still he's still involved and still, still comes to meetings, gets involved. Yep, Tim, Tim's still um, heavily involved with us. He's a great um, he's a great uh, source for me to, to be if I'm not sure about something or want to run something by him. Um, obviously, he's coached at those, those levels. He's taken Australian teams away. He's a great person too and... Um, He's also married in, uh, an Italian Italian lady as well. So Tim, you know, as far as he's concerned, he's pretty much qualified Italian. Um, but he's um, as involved. Of, he's got a lot going on with West Tigers, and you know, he's got a lot of work that he's trying to get through down there at this point of year, uh, the year. But he hasn't let us down yet. Um, he's heavily involved around advising, you know, um, helping us to understand what we need to do over in the UK or in, um, preparing um, just some help for us to, you know, with fields and um, whatnot over there. So he's, he's good, great value, best he can at the moment. Um, and he's, he's really, really... Um, uh, He's excited to be doing it. He's just he's overloaded at the moment, but he's really excited to be doing it because, as I said, he's he um is married into a, an Italian family as well, and he's seeing the Italian um you know um Italian culture what it looks like as well here in Australia too. So, but good human being as well, a great football person. Um, um and and I, I did a lot of my coaching um while he was at West Tigers um earlier earlier on, um, so just great to have him on board. Terry Campese is also um, coming on as an assistant coach um, and Tony Grimaldi, who is with the, the um, with the Sharks now, will be our S&C. Um, Taz Batiri, um, he'll, be, he'll be heavily involved as a team manager as well, um, along with the usuals, our president, um, Horatio De Haro, uh, Mick Pisano, um, and others, but I feel we've pulled together a good crop of people that um, just want to see success and don't want anything else out of out of this other than we just want to see Italy um, and our players do do us all proud. I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of sitting in Lanka with yourself, Taz Bacieri and Marco Carboni of this podcast, and it was the most Italian I've ever felt outside of Italy. So. <laughs> um, enough. Grazie mille for your time and good yep. luck. Thank you very much, Mark. Good talking. Grazie mille to Leo Epifania. That's so embarrassing when I speak Italian. Grazie mille. There you go. That's a pro. Um, yes, so that was brilliant. Thanks so much for, um, for Leo for spending the time with us. You can tell how, much he, how passionate he is about yep. Italy, about what they're going to do. And... Um, yeah, it's interesting stuff when you look at their team because it is quite a good balance of of young and old. There's guys who I think we'll all remember from from previous World Cups. Wonderfully named Joey Tramontana, the most uh, legitimate businessman name in rugby league. Joey, Joey's sensational, mate, and, and many NRL fans will not know who he, he is, but I do because um, his sister-in-law does my taxes. She's my accountant, so that's how I know Joey. But And that's a true story. I know you're laughing, but that's true. We're all related somehow in this Italian squad. I love it. Um, all right. Well, that doesn't make it... I've already <laughs> described him as a legitimate businessman. That makes it um, even more dodgy than it did before. Um, 
But look, I, so I, I watched quite a bit of second grade, right? Yep, As tell me. been mentioned extensively on this. Yep. And I've always been impressed by Luca Moratti when I've seen him. And you can tell I watched second grade specifically to pick out potential players for minor nations in the Rugby League World Cup. Exactly. But also um, Jack Campagnolo, who I think will play fullback for Italy. I've got him down as a fullback. He, um, yeah, he plays at six in for South Junior, uh, for South Second Grade. Um, also, a pretty good player. And um, there's a couple of other guys as well who who come from the UK who've just been there for years. James Saltonstall, um, Richard Pori, people like this who played, I think, 2017. Um, it's getting a very Italian vibe, as you can hear, because slightly not like our oval list because the planes go overhead in Marrakesh. I just heard that. There's a couple of other um, guys that are based over in Europe as well who have been around for a while. So guys like Brendan Santi who's been around the traps, he's played in France, he's played in the UK as well, and he's a regular in this Italian squad. Uh, guys like Ronnie Palumbo, Ronnie's over there in the UK. Ronnie's been, Ronnie's played for like five or six different clubs in different nations. He's played a bit of rugby union, a bit of rugby league. Uh, he is also the cousin of one of my good best mates. This is almost turning into a joke, but he is related to one of my best mates, old Ronnie Palumbo. So there are some good guys there. You've got um you've got in your squad as well two guys named Johns, so two Johns brothers, not Andrew and Matthew, but of course Cooper and Jack. What's the likelihood of seeing the Johns brothers in this Italian squad, mate? Well, I don't I, I don't know. There is a lot of surprises in this. So I, I think by the time this comes out, they'll probably have announced the squad, but I'm very much up in the air. There's um Jake Clifford as well. Nathan Brown came back for the um Grand Final. Grand yeah. final, um, which you know he's won, but we don't. <laughs> Trent Liero, I think, is the one who's really burst onto the scene this year. Um, who I have to say, I don't know why, it's maybe it's the way his name was spelt. I initially thought it was a Ma- like Maori or Islander descent, but he's not that. It's just because he's got many vowels in a row. Um, but yeah, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how some of the other lads go. People like Ethan Natoli, who I've seen play for Glebe this year. Yeah. Yep. Um, Alex Asino, who's playing the Panthers system. You know, they're in every grand final of every single grade. So there is, there's a lot of talent in here, and I think it's, you know, there is no more proven pathway than Italy to the Kangaroos, given the um, your Paul Vaughan's and your James Tedesco's. So it's possible. I think they they also are lucky because their first game is against Scotland, and that's kind of what their aim up is. And I think everybody we've spoken to who's got like a really difficult fixture, you know, I think of the Ilias Mamadelos talking about playing England. Um, or you know what Greg Corkman was saying about playing the Kiwis like they're not going to go in with fear they're going to have to go in and say like we can do this I would love to um, it's interesting that you mention um, Greece because I would have loved to have seen Italy play Greece at this World Cup I think that would have been a really good matchup when you look at the squads and you know the makeup of the squads they've got some good talent from from you know all grades pretty much so I find that really interesting um, it's an interesting Italian squad in that there are some names there, but they're not as big as the names we normally see in this, the Italian side. It's missing Tedesco's, it's missing Vaughn's, it's missing Minicello's. Um, so they're the types of names we normally see there. Will we see some good young guns come up? Certainly, I'm sure we will. I'm looking forward to some of the um, domestic Italian talent that we can't possibly name, but you know, I, I, I'm certain Gialli Cellerino who has, has played a few World Cups now for Italy, the first Italian-born player to um, to play rugby league, really, at a, at, a, at the highest level. 
Um, Jolly's a front rower. He'll probably come off the bench at some stage. Um, he's an absolute weapon. We've had him on the podcast before. Um, and there should be a couple of a couple of Italian-born domestics in there as well, in and around the squad, as usual. So hopefully these boys get a run. Um, I don't think... Well, look, last World Cup, Italy were nowhere near as successful as they should have been. I think they're a little bit weaker this time around. They can certainly beat Scotland. I think they will beat Scotland, but they're going to have a lot of trouble when they're facing Australia and Fiji. So unfortunately for my my mother nation, for my boys, I don't think it's going to be a happy World Cup. But, you know, maybe the fact that we're not expecting as much this year as we did five years ago, maybe it's a good rebuild rebuild period and, and they can look forward to maybe a good three years in the lead up to France 25. Yeah, and I know that it, well, as long as they've got Leo in charge, like, I mean, you can tell from the interview, like, he's so passionate about it, and he's so passionate about, as actually as actually was Jed Corcoran when we spoke to him yeah. um, about Ireland, about breaking the sort of heritage trap where, they, look, they can pick, Ireland can pick guys like me, and Italy can pick guys like you, but in ten years, <laughs> five, ten years' time, yeah. our, not ours, because we're a bit younger, but, you know, the bloodline will will eventually exhaust and you won't end up with players to pick. So you can tell what Italy are doing on the ground it needs to get better, but it's getting, you know, similar to Ireland. Like they actually played each other in the women's international not that long ago. They yep. play, excuse me, they play junior internationals as well. So like they are, that stuff is happening now in a more concrete way than it perhaps was in the past. So yep. yeah, I think um, actually since, since we did our Europe extravaganza episode, we've also had, um, I think six players picked for the Jamaican team from the Jamaican competition, which we should mention. We've also had as a player in the Scottish team from Edinburgh Eagles as yep. well, Lewis Park. So, yep. and obviously Ronan, we mentioned the past. Ronan Michael from Ireland. I think we're going to get, and, and they're not going to do as good a pronunciation. Jolie Chalarino from from Italy. So these things are happening. It's really encouraging, and in that spirit. We move on to Lebanon. Lebanon. The Cedars. The Cedars, who... Man, Lebanon are the most active team in International Rugby League at the moment. I think they've played like three times this year already. Lebanon, Lebanon are playing... They're all over the place. And they're not only playing like proper internationals, they're playing like heritage games as well, like the week later. Like it's been incredible. Um, there's They've got a lot of... They've got a big pathway in Western Sydney which which you've mentioned in your article, but they've also got, you know, what is a solid domestic competition? And they've certainly domestically, Lebanon had a lot of ups and downs in, you know, since the last World Cup and, and since a little before the last World Cup as well. Um, they do it tough, but they seem to have some good talent there. And Lebanon is, a, is an area that if they can get it right it's a country that if they can get it right domestically for, for a good decade or so, um, and if they can get some support, I think we could see a lot of talent come out of there and they can they can prove to be a very legitimate force in international rugby league. But in the meantime, in terms of like their heritage players, probably want, when you're talking, when you're comparing, you know, nations like Italy and Greece that, you know, they'll have a, like Lebanon, you know these guys they'll have a sprinkle of domestic players which which will be fantastic but they do they do feature some good heritage talent as well and none better than lebanon so you've got your josh mansors that you come to expect but 
the big ones here are Adam Dewey, of course, who has been selected in the Lebanon squad at time of recording. The other one who has been selected but probably has a question mark on him is uh, Mitchell Moses, who, again, by the time this comes out, he may have been selected in the Australian squad, and he has said that that's his preference if selected. Um, I hate to hear stuff like that, but but there it is. Um, mate, what do you know? You, you're a little closer to the ground than I am when it comes to what the players are saying, Mike. What do you know about Moses? Well, I've, you know, I think I've asked him every time I've ever spoke to him. Um, and look, he's he's always been he he's always been very confident that he's playing for like that he wants to play for Lebanon. He's always, you know, I, obviously I've always framed the question of <laughs> how's Michael Cheki doing and he playing for Lebanon. Um, but yeah, he look, we can't begrudge anybody who is picked for the Kangaroos playing for the Kangaroos of because he'll have grown up his whole life wanting to play for the Kangaroos and this is an opportunity if he gets it. But on the other hand, like if he plays for Lebanon, he'll give 100% and he'll be happy to be there because he's played for them in the past. He's got such a big Lebanese family. We all, you know, we all heard the stories about him having his first kid and stuff like that. And his grandmother also passed away recently. Um, so this sort of stuff is always front of mind. And obviously it's kind of redundant as discussing it because by the time this goes out, people will know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what I think is interesting, particularly for Lebanon, there's a couple of um, interesting things that have come out. Um, I almost don't want uh, Mitchell Moses to play for them because then you'll get to see Khalid Rajab, who is one of my favourite players in lower grades. Mm. Um, he's, who started the season in the 20s at the Bulldogs. And I thought, who is this old man playing in the 20s? Because he's got a really <laughs> long ponytail and a big beard. <laughs> he does not look under 20. Um, and he ended up playing in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final. He's a real exciting player. He looks tiny. He looks like a good gust of wind to blow him away. But um, such a plays so hard, runs really well. Yeah, really exciting player to watch. Very sort of mercurial. He's the sort of player you think... If you got into a proper first grade system, they'd probably coach all the fun out of him. But yeah, they haven't been there yet to do that. Um, so he's quite an exciting player. And the same with um, Jacob Kiraz, the Lebanese king, the king of Belmore, um, who bursts onto the NRL scene this year, just an excitement machine. So Such a difficult man to tackle. I think he was way up there for tackle breaks per game in the NRL. Um, he only played from round 10 onwards, but scored some great tries took some amazing catches and yeah, just really, I think he was close to rookie of the year and he only played half of the year. So that's the sort of talent that he's got. You know, this is a kid who couldn't get a game in New South Wales Cup last year for the Knights, got released, got released into the Bulldog system and ends up nearly winning rookie of the year this year. So people who don't watch the NRL week to week or don't watch rubbish teams in the NRL like the Bulldogs, um, might not have seen him. <laughs> but, sorry, Bulldogs fans. Um, Nice. That's why yeah, I haven't I seen did, him, Mike. Yeah, That's why I haven't seen him. But, um, <laughs> mate, the the good thing about this yeah, level... The idea that Jaden Ockenborg got six games of first grade and Jacob Grass sat in the reserves <laughs> for half the season is bonkers. Like, anyway, when, when he plays for Nigeria, I'll talk about him. But, we can't wait. Can't wait to see this side run around. Yeah, Nigeria, mate. A MEA Championships coming soon as well. That's maybe for another part. Neither would I. <laughs> Harsh. Can't even um, make the Nigerian squad. Now, anyway, love him. Um, Look. Lebanon, very lucky, I think, that they're in a they're in a nice little group. Um, or it's actually this is actually a group that I'm really excited to see because we've mentioned it before. New Zealand's gonna shellac everyone in the in group C. But then well, you've then. got you've got Lebanon, Jamaica, Ireland, 
And I think, you know, all three of those those nations quite evenly matched on paper. Um, can't wait to see who comes out second in that group. Uh, are you prepared to make any predictions at, at this stage, Mr. Wood? Oh, well, obviously, Ireland are going to win it. Um, <laughs> well, now, as Jed Corker has said, there was a stink last time Lebanon played Ireland. I think there was a big punch up in the tunnel. Um, so there's a bit of, I don't think anybody involved in the systems now, other than Jed Cochran probably, um, will be wanting to relitigate that one. But I think that game, the second game of the group, um, is going to be huge because that if Ireland win the first game, which I think they'll go into against Jamaica as favourites. I think so too, um, yeah. The Jamaican um, squad that was named, um, in my mind, not as strong as I was expecting. So that that to me is quite interesting. Yeah, well, they lost. They obviously they lost uh, Callum Watkins and Dom Young to England. Yeah, and then they lost Isaac Farrell's their starting uh, halfback. He's injured now. So, and then Lloyd White, who would have been their starting nine, is also injured. Who actually played for Wales for many years and um, is of Lebanese, uh, Lebanese Jamaican heritage. Um, anyway, talk about Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> so things to be excited about, right? And I have to say, I come this as an ambassador from the lower grades because you've got the back row duo of Chavel Tazapale and Kane Kalache, both by the Newtown Jets, my local team. Very exciting players. Um, you also get um, Bilal Mavani, who I think people will know. I think he's played maybe some first grade. He's definitely played for Lebanon before. Um, obviously, Josh Mansour, Abbas Miski, who's been at Wigan this year. Um, Ali Elzakam, I'm going to say that with a Lebanese accent. I don't know how you actually pronounce it, but he's played for, I think, Parramatta. Um, and Brad Morcos, I think he's in the South system. Like, There's a lot of guys in there who are pretty, you know, pretty handy characters. And it, what you might actually end up seeing here is something that we've discussed a little bit on previous podcasts, which is just judging how good New South Wales Cup is compared to the English Championship, compared to the lower reaches of Super League, because there is such a diversity of um, talent levels, you've no idea who's going to go well where. You know, and we've got obviously in the Lebanon squad. You also add in guys from Lebanese domestic competition. Yeah. I wonder what could be his an ideal situation for for me and possibly me alone. So, if Ireland were to beat Jamaica and Lebanon, Lebanon were to lose to New Zealand. That would make the last game against uh, Jamaica. Jamaica and Lebanon. Both would be essentially a dead rumour, but both of them would be on two two beat zero wins. And I wonder then if they would throw in. You would see all six Jamaican domestic players go in. You would see if you're Michael Jacob, you might say, "Well, throw in the two lads, um, Topic El Hajj and Atif Hamram, who are the domestic base players in Lebanon." Throw them in. I would love to see that, mate. With Mitchell Moses and with Ashton Golden and with all these, you know, all these guys and say, well, do you know what, lads, have a run around and let's make it a good game. That'd be great. That's what the World Cup, you know, is really about, man. Seeing these, seeing, for me, that's what I'm excited about anyway. Seeing the domestic guys have a shot. I'm so excited about that. So, man, I hope that, that that's actually, you know, could be quite nice in a way. So that's pretty cool, man. The other thing as well, and you touched on it a little bit, right, but I think people won't know about this um, because it's not been enormously well publicised. So I, said, I wrote an article for Forbes about it last year, like in terms of what Lebanese people have done to be able to play rugby league yeah. is insane. Like last year before, so they had COVID, they then had the big explosion in Beirut. In Beirut, yeah. 
and they had huge civil civil unrest, political upheaval, stuff like that. And I think one of the major days of of protesting that was supposed to be the day of the grand final. Yeah, yeah. It's been confusing because competition has two teams called Wolves. Yes. There's like Lycan Wolves and just Wolves. Well, Lycan Lycan's is the I think Lycan's is the Arabic Lebanese word for wolves. So there's an actual like yeah. English wolves in there, Lycan. So yeah, love that. But they so they were meant to play the grand final, and then suddenly there was this like I think there was like a curfew because they were they were like there's going to be these huge protests, blah, blah blah. And so they had to constantly delay the grand final. And these are guys who you know I spoke to um, I think to the head of the Lebanese rugby league. He was like, look, we haven't even been able to train because of COVID lockdown. All all this stuff that even you just think. You know, lesser people would have just gone. You know what? I think this one isn't worth it. But they kept playing and playing and playing, and now there's two guys going to go to the World Cup. Like, yeah, I think if you're talking the head of uh, Lebanese rugby league, if, uh, you might be talking about Naif uh, Abusad. If that's if I'm if I'm right in saying, I've had some a lot of conversations with him. Um, they 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 like you said, man. They are they have been through some stuff, and they're still there, and they're still moving. Um, so full credit to them um and like i say I, there is in my heart of hearts there's nothing i want more than to see domestic rugby league in lebanon grow because there's a lot of potential there um and i think it's a, it's a kind of sport you know they don't have a lot to cheer for you know when it comes to international sport and it's a real opportunity for rugby league if we can get it right yeah and i think that's it's you know we talk about it a lot i think we're probably the only podcasting world in the world of rugby league who does talk about this but like you look at where, you know, the group, the game in Greece where it was banned until recently, what's happened in Lebanon, you look at the situation in Jamaica and now they're sending six guys to the World Cup, like these, these things matter all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, we're going to go for, from one of the places where rugby league is a fledgling sport to one of the two nations on earth where rugby league is the national sport because there is two. I'm glad you one, said, I'm glad you said two. that because everyone says Papua New Guinea, the only, the only nation in the world where rugby league is, you know, the, the, the most popular sport or the sport of the nation. Not true. Cook Islands, of course, I love their rugby league more than any other sport. Um, and I, I love that you've mentioned that, mate. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pet hate of mine that people say that. I always correct them. I put pedant and... Uh... My, my pet hate is how great this cookie side could be, but won't be because of the likes of a guy who at the start of the year, for example we thought was a special for the cookies. He's now going to play centers for Australia for sure. I think he's locked in. That's Valentine Holmes. Uh, guys like Jordan Rapana, Charles Nickel Klockstad, who have were up and down in form in the past, but I think they're going to be playing for New Zealand. Maratani Akore is another one. Then you've got guys like Joey Manu, Joseph Tarpani, and Josh Papalihi, who are eligible for cookies, but of course, mate, they're going to be playing. There's no way that, there's no way you know, you're going to see Joey Manu play for New Zealand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, man, if if you if we could one day see a full strength cookie side, they'd be able to compete with Samoa. But um, unfortunately, we're not going to see it this time round, Mike. Who's going to be in this cookie side for this World Cup? Well, well, <laughs> yeah, you do mention that, right? There is the list of potential Cook Islanders is insane, but. The ones that will go in the field. In fact, you didn't even mention some of them because you have, um, I think Michael Molo might play. I think Michael Michael will play. Is Frank not? Will Frank play? Or 
Frank's got to be a possibility, surely. I think because he played for Samoa mid-season. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, I think anyway he would be suspended for at least some of it because of uh, getting sent off for the Dragons. So I'm not sure. I actually did ask about this, and I'm yet to get a response on whether, um, you know, we're the only people who talk about Lebanese domestic rugby league. We're also the only people who ask about Frank Molo's (laughs) eligibility. (laughs) Actually, Marat and Niokore was supposed to only be able to play for the Cook Islands and has been given an exemption to play for New Zealand. Otherwise, he would be playing for the Cook Islands. Um, but look, they are going to have some pretty big NRL talent. You're going to get David Moali, who's one of the most, you know, will give you the best 10 minutes of any forward in the NRL. Um, do you want a David Moali stat? It's a good one. Tell me. I love a good Mike, Mike Wood stat. Tell me. So uh, David Moali went the longest amount of minutes this year without making a pass. No way. Love that. How how many minutes was it? Oh, I don't know. Don't <laughs> you don't know the input yet. Just the importance. No, no, no. But I did this. I, I put a tweet out saying that it, we got to about round 14 before Tarek Sims had made a pass. <laughs> and then it passed to Spencer Lenu. Uh, uh, and that was well the season with David. Lee. I think Spencer Lenu did eventually pass the ball to somebody, but David Wiley, he does not pass the ball. He just head down, ass up, forward we go. Um, I wonder if they'll make him play any big minutes because he does not play big. I think he's got the shortest minutes of any average player in the NRL. And there's somebody who plays fairly regularly. Um, you also get Tefai Marola. You get Marquesi Makatoa. Again, if you want a five-minute appearance, Marquesi Makatoa is your man. Um, but you also get Isan Masters, Stephen Masters. The Masters brothers, of course. Or cousins. Masters. They're cousins, aren't they? Or brothers. They're cousins. Yeah, cousins, not yeah, brothers. That's yeah, right. This was a big point of discussion in the mid-season test. And, yeah. Um, Paulie Tiotu, who's the media manager for Cook Islands, very nice man, does it for the Bulldogs. He uh, he put me straight on this. He's also very good in pronunciation, so hopefully my pronunciation is good. Paulie has answered every question on him. Um, we are going to get, from my hometown, Newtown Jets, we are going to get Kyle Hero, yep. who is the New South Wales Cup Player of the Year. No less, I think he made a first grade debut at the end of the year for Canola, so he's a real exciting player in the centres. Um, we don't know what anyone's going to play for Cook Islands because a lot of them just get moved around the back line. Almost all their forwards appear to be props. They're all so, the same size, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vincent and Ruben Rennie as well, who are also um, New San Jets players, pretty good. Newtown came um, top, won the minor premiership for New South Wales Cup. So if you're throwing in three players out of that system, it'll be pretty good. Um, you've also got three Brisbane, you know, fringe first graders, Xavier Willison. Brendan Paikura, who has, everyone's had big raps in him for years, played a couple of games this year. TC Rabati, again, if you want 15 brilliant minutes out of TC Rabati, you'll get him. Um, if, only this was a, if only this was a 15-minute halves competition, it would yeah, be sensational. Yeah, if they just played 40 degrees and they got to do 20-minute stints <laughs> um, with about an hour between the 20-minute quarters, these lads would be great. Mate, there's um, a there's a few other known names there for any NRL and Super League fans in your squad anyway. So you've got your Tim Aronas, you've got yeah. Dylan Napa, Zane Teravano, Anthony Gelling, and Brad Takarangi. Um, there, there's some players there. There's some known players, which is great. But but unfortunately for the Cookies, uh, they're in the same group as Tonga. They're in the same group as Papua New Guinea. Uh they're in the same group as Wales. I think they'll beat Wales. But um, other than that, I think it's going to be a tough World Cup for for one of two rugby league nations who love the game more than anything else. 
Yeah, for sure. I think the the um, the phrase "rogues gallery" might might come into the conversation when you talk about the Cook Islands. When you you've got your uh, Kenny Edwards eligible, Dylan Nappers eligible, um, and your back superstar John O'Ford, um, <laughs> who's been playing in second who was the star of Toulouse's promotion campaign, then decided he uh, liked liked <laughs> not having vaccinations more than getting promoted, so he he left. But he's Cook Islands eligible place in the past, I think. Um, you also get Tim Arona. I don't know. Have you seen Tim Arona of late? I, I, well, he played in the mid-season test, didn't he? Did oh, he? more recently than that. He no, was doing shoeies on the field. Oh, I didn't see that. Place. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Zayn Tavano played in the, played in the um, Super League Grand Final recently. Uh, Nathaniel Peteru has been playing Super League as well. Like, there's some pretty good players. Um, Adam Fagata, who is at Halifax. Andy Gelling, less said about the better for legal reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's a couple of guys at the... Um, I think, actually, Brad Takarangi is also in the legal reasons chat. Ta- Takarangi team. has had some issues. Uh, yes. Well, he's but... a drink driving rather than some of the stuff that Gelling was doing that we'll not go into. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's also guys from the Kiwi camp from the... Um, what used to be called the Bar Card Cup, the Fox Memorial Cup. There you go, came back to me. Um, so there's a guy who I'm, I apologize for saying his name, but his name is Ruangata. Ruangati, sorry. He, um, yeah, so he he's a hooker from the, ah, fuck, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I forgot what competition he's from. I've got it written down in front of me. Um, one of the names that is actually going to show up, who played in the mid-season, or he was in the squad in the mid-season, is Jeff Daniela. Okay, yeah. What's where's he, he been? To the best of my knowledge, he's a school teacher now. Okay, but he, um, yeah, he's a, he's a school teacher now. But he played. I can't remember if he played or if he was in the squad. But I was like Jeff Daniel. I remember him. Yeah, and I think um, Brock Shepherd on Fifth and Last teaches in the same or Fifth and Last podcast teaches in the same school as him. I feel like that's the story. That, that almost sounds that almost sounds like a seg- segue, Mike. If you're ready for it, but. The fifth and last, no? Yes, that is a segue. <laughs> that is a segue. Um, no, it's not. It's, not, it's an actual one. They are hopefully, you know, people get in touch with the podcast cards, as you well know, and some of them say, I know you're called Chasing Kangaroos, but is there any chance that you could actually mention the kangaroos? We have been holding out on this because the kangaroos are pretty pivotal to everybody else's squad. Yeah. And we don't know. They could ruin anybody else's squad by just calling players up. So we are hopefully... Going to do a recording with fifth and last. Fingers crossed. Hasn't been. It's been penciled in, but hasn't happened yet. So if it doesn't, if it goes wrong. We're not talking about the well, but, the, um, we're well, hopefully going to get the lads not on who you know. Brock is a coach in the New South Cup. He's a very very knowledgeable man. Um, his brother Lewis also very knowledgeable. Listen to the podcast. It's great. Best annual podcast out there, if you ask me. And um, except the ones that I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> and. Although the next, next, the next episode, case I will be on it. So there you go. Um, but yeah, they are going to be our experts on the kangaroos, and I think we're going to be their experts on international rugby league. Which makes a lot of sense because who better than us, right, Mike? And I can't believe we've just spoken about five World Cup nations in less than an hour. It's a new world record. No one else has ever done that before. Um, but for for good reason, as you say, we've got. You know, we've got a few weeks before the World Cup. By the time this episode goes out, we've got like a week and a half before the World Cup. Um, we're going to have to speak kangaroos. Yourself and Mary 
We'll be speaking Jillaroos as well, which I'm really excited about. Is that still happening? Please, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, Mary at the moment, as, as we've mentioned, it's got final week. So Mary is currently a, I can't remember if she's on the ceiling or whether she's dripped down into a pool of excitement on the floor now. It's probably both. With, probably both somehow. She'd, yeah, she'd be going. Yeah, with the in two grand finals, Mary Kostopoulos has other things on her mind. <laughs> Um, so yeah, hopefully once all that has died down, me and Mary will be able to sit down. Maybe we'll get Big Tian, who is the um, host of our Jason Gillery's podcast, which you'll listen to. Um, yeah, we will hopefully get everybody around for a Gillery's theme chat. The England have released their squad for the women, um, raising, as people who follow me on Twitter will know, raising the number of people who went to St. Cuthbert's High School in Rochdale to three in the Rugby League <laughs> World Cup. Um, after me, Jed Corker, and... and now Vicky Molyneux, so go Vicky. Love it. And um, she was in the year above me at school. Nice. Yeah, she was in my cousin. Would she, rem- would she remember you? To be honest, I didn't remember her. <laughs> my cousin who was in, um, who was in, in the uh, same classes at school said, oh, she plays for England now. And I was like, that Vicky Molyneux. I knew Vicky Molyneux was a football player. And I completely forgot who Vicky Molyneux, the uh, girl in the year above me at school. But there you go. It's the same person. So if I see her, I'll bring it up. Lovely, lovely. Mate, um, we can't end an episode without thanking our friends uh, and your employer, Raw Sports, theraw.com.au, who, you know, are the, the main sponsors for this show. Um, there's five nations that we spoke about today. There's five predicted squad articles written by you on the Raw. So I suggest everyone who listens to this go and read those and get Mike's clicks up. Because uh, the guys at the Raw love it when Mike's clicks are up. And, uh, mate, it's been a pleasure doing these. I can't wait to do the Aussie episode. And I can't believe that after everything that has happened in terms of this World Cup, it's been five years since the last Rugby League World Cup, I can't believe we're pretty much close to the eve. I'm so excited. I'm going to get no sleep. You're, of course, going to be over there. And, um, mate, I'm just absolutely pumped. Oh, well... I mean, firstly, on the roll, when you say predicted squads will be there, by the time you read this, there will be confirmed squads. This current bane of my life is formatting squad articles to try and get everybody in, everybody in the right place, everybody where they're meant to be, because there are a lot of squads and only one person tasked. They say, Mike, you love the Rugby League World Cup. You love international footy. You do. Isn't it? Go, yeah, that sounds great. There's no better man for it, mate, except Brad Walters. He's probably a bit better. But yeah, other, other, other than that, uh, you are the man. He doesn't work for the Raw, and I do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there will be, not only will be that, the absolute best place for all the Rugby League World Cup content you could possibly want is the Raw Sports, not only because I write it, but because we will be, I think, the only Australian outlet with two people on the ground in me and Mary Kay. So we'll have the men's and women's, as much content as you can want, but you're going to see a lot more content come out across the channels as soon as the NRL season ends we are going to get as many interviews as I can onto the scene so that we can all get super hyped up there'll be previews there'll be tips there'll be me writing a lot of things about the Rugby League World Cup everything you've heard on this podcast probably all the jokes repeated I don't have original jokes I and mean, if I do make one up I use it twice can't wait to hear it mate I'll be very tired so I'll laugh anyway because I'll be staying up every night watching these games so looking forward to it mate cannot wait you should have arranged for your um your partner to have another child so that you had an excuse to stay up through the night like certain mitchell moses would have been a great idea but uh for yeah. the for that month only yeah <laughs> for, then, for, the, for the next 30 years it would have been yes, terrible it would be tough um, 
But yeah, and speaking of, you know, we love to show how the sausage is made. I literally have to go on a call right now to start Lauren Prasenu from France. So look forward to that interview in the future with Louis Jouffre of French squad, Laurie Prasenu. And if we don't stop talking now, then uh, I'm going to miss that call. So thanks for chasing kangaroos with me, mate. There he goes. Finish the episode. <laughs>